Yeah. Yo. 50 years of hip hop. 50 years of hip hop from listener power, KEXP. Let me tell y'all a story. A few weeks back, I got the chance to DJ before Duran Duran and Nile Rodgers over at Climate Pledge Arena here in Seattle. Enough respect to Duran Duran, but I was really there to see Nile, a legend who's not only made some of Disco's defining moments with his band Chic, but who's had his hands on huge hits over six decades. My favorite part of his set was when he and his band performed some of these collaborations from Let's Dance to Like a Virgin to Get Lucky. During that part of the set, Nile performed a collaboration that he never exactly consented to. Sugar Hill Gang's Rapper's Delight. Check it out. He rapped those verses with the ease and flair someone who's known and loved a song for years and years. It was clear that within a storied career whose scope was likely only comprehended by a few in that arena crowd that night, that he was proud to be unintentional godfather of hip-hop culture. Rogers has said that he'd only become aware of hip-hop because of his friendship with Debbie Harry and Chris Stein of Blondie, who would soon release their own take on the form with Rapture. They brought Nile to jams in Queens and the Bronx, where he was shocked to discover that the young people were dancing to and rapping over primarily one thing and one thing alone. The breakdown to Good Times, the 1979 hit by his band Chic. Rogers recalled Chic performing with The Clash and Blondie at the Times Square Club Bonds Disco. When Chic got into the breakdown of Good Times, hip-hop luminaries, including Fab Five Freddy, Futura 2000, and others rushed the stage and started rhyming along to the bass line. I said the hip it was shortly thereafter, meanwhile, on the dance floor at the upscale Manhattan Club Leviticus, Rogers first heard Rapper's Delight, with its unmistakable whole hog replay of Good Times, with that unforgettable Bernard Edwards bassline as the backdrop to the rhymes of Wonder Mike, Master G, and Big Bang Hank. Now rush the DJ to find out what it was, I was shocked to find out it was an actual record that he bought in a record store in Harlem. Rogers and Edwards threatened legal action and settled out of court, gaining co-writing credit on the song that has since become a nine-minute cultural behemoth. Here's Rogers talking about the track in an interview. And I think that the record was so big, it wound up being even bigger than Good Times. At least it was more exciting because it felt like a new art form. Sampling per se wouldn't even be a big deal on actual hip-hop records for a half decade or so until the coming of Marley Marl. And the landmark legal cases around it wouldn't happen for another decade with De La Soul and Biz Marquis. Alone again, naturally. But with that, Rapper's Delight gave an audience who'd never set foot into a New York City park jam where power from the streetlights made the place dark, where an endless parade of young MCs kicked pre-written or improvised rhymes while a DJ cut up that unforgettable bass line. What you hear is not a test. I'm rapping, 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 rapping. 
Rapper's Delight showed a whole generation that not only could you translate what was happening in the street, to the club, to the radio, and beyond, but that you could build something new on the bones of what had come before, or even what was there now, and when. Rapper's Delight was released a couple months after my first birthday. Shout out to my fellow Cancers, of course. So I don't have any actual memory of it hitting in real time. Of course, I heard it plenty growing up, gradually comprehending that it was this foundational text in the culture. To me, it would always kind of be that song with the guy that dissed Superman and that harrowing story about unseasoned chicken and introduced me to the diarrhea remedy Kaopectate. But for most of my life, I've been hearing stories about the incredible impact of that song at the time. So much so that it's basically gospel, creation myth at this point. So I wanted to share some impressions from those that were there. My brother Ishmael Butler, the Grammy-winning rapper of the group's Digable Planets and Shabazz Palaces, gave me his first impression of hearing the song. When I first heard Rapper's Delight, I was in Philly. At my auntie's house, Aunt Rachel, she lived on 51st and Locust, right by Market Street. It was summertime and it was cracking. And somebody walked by and it was playing out the box. I was little, young, like, I don't remember what year that was, but I was a little kid, but old enough to know what was jiggy or not. And I, listen, <laughs> it was it was a monument. It was a happening, you know? And that song really spread like wildfire. That was, that was vibrant. You know what I mean? Because it wasn't really getting that much radio play, but like all the DJs had to have it. All the record stores had to have it. And uh, everybody was buying it like hotcakes. <laughs> A true phenomenon. Everybody, every neighborhood, you you know, it was like, which one are you? You you Master G, you Wonder Mike, Big Bang Hank, and then Catswood, you know, it might be a fight over who was going to be who. You know what I mean? Because it was only... <laughs> It was only a certain amount of slots to be filled, man, but everybody wanted to, wanted to do their rendition of it. And you probably know this, but another part of the legend and a very important part of the creation of Rapper's Delight was in fact plagiarism. And I'm not just talking about good times anymore. One of the best verses a rhyme delivered by Big Bank Hank was directly taken from the notebook of another MC, Casanova Fly, also known as Grandmaster Kaz of the Cold Crush Brothers, a group that Hank was actually managing at the time. Hank was at his day job, flipping pies at a local pizzeria, reciting some Cold Crush rhymes, when Sugar Hill President Sylvia Robinson walked in. Robinson's son had just hipped her to the new phenomenon of hip-hop, and she was looking for talent. When she asked Hank to join a group she was forming, he took Kaz's rhyme book to the studio, either by permission or not, according to which account you hear, and recorded his verse. The only thing is, he forgot to take out all the references that Kaz had made to himself, so the verse literally starts, Check it out. I'm the C A S and O V A and the rest is F L Y. Check it out. I'm the C A S and the O V A and the rest is F L Y. Spelling Casanova Fly, which is basically like copying your friend's homework and then writing their name at the top. That fact, and the fact that the three MCs were not actually known in the scene in New York, made for some hostility at home towards the song. Actually, I hated it. 
DJ Lady Love, one of New York's first women hip-hop DJs, remembers her first impressions of Rapper's Delight. It just became part of history, but when it first came out, New Yorkers, New York people loved hip-hop. The people that was in hip-hop, the people that were, we hated that song. To this day, I have mixed feelings about it. It really, I didn't know Kaz at the time, but the flyest part of the song was the C-A-S and the O-V-A. And um, I knew I had heard that before, but I didn't know that, that at that moment that that was Kaz's until later. But the thing was, when that came out, we all thought it was the corniest record ever. How did that record get on the radio? Treacherous 3 was out, The Furious was out, or The Funky 4. But give it to us now. had records before this came out and those records were way better than that 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 was that felt like some poppy sing-along shit to us and then it blew up and it was just like are you kidding me that's the song that blows up all of them were signed to enjoy flashing them melly mel sing on the message a child was born with no state of mind. That was originally on Super Rapid, which came out for Sugar Hill. But all these people already was doing stuff. We already was buying them off of Enjoy before Rapid Delight came out. So when that hit, it was just like, that's the one that, that makes it? That record? Because nobody knew who these dudes were. It just came out of nowhere. They wasn't on the scene. They wasn't doing parks. They wasn't doing parties. They wasn't doing jams. They just came out of nowhere. And then when I found out later that Hank was Kaz's manager and took Kaz's rhymes and, and, and did that, then I was like, now it makes sense. But at the time, it didn't make sense because nobody knew who these guys were. But it's the song that was shot around the world in Bread Global because that's that song is kind of like the first introduction a lot of people had to rap, not hip hop, but rap. And so that is the one reason that I do give them props because they kick it to another level. We didn't have respect for them, but they kicked it to another level. People, we was a little salty, we was a little salty at first, but the crowd loved it. People was people knew that that song backward and forward. So either you go along or you get left. It it, it shot us into the world. It wasn't just the Bronx or the Brooklyn or Queens anymore. It was worldwide. It was global because of Sugar Hill. So you have to give them that respect. You just heard Ishmael Butler and DJ Ladylove giving a couple very different takes on their reaction when they first heard Rapper's Delight. Nobody's arguing with the fact that that was hip-hop's shot heard round the world, the way that hip-hop first got into the feet, hips, hearts, and minds of generations to come that would go on to reinvent everything. And 50 years out from where it all started, through all the pain, commercialization, bad record deals, love, fun, tragedy, I think we can still agree that it's been good times. Good times.